Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and I am very excited about today's guest. He has been hosting his own comedy show called How to Live a Jellicle Life, Life Lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats. So welcome, Linus Carpen. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm excited because I did get to watch your show and it is hysterical and so fun. So I'd love to start, though. I always start at the beginning, which was, did you ever see the stage performance before you saw the movie? And like, when did you get introduced to Cats, the musical, not the 2019 movie? Um, Well, thank you very much, first of all. I actually went into the cinema not knowing much about Cats at all. I'd never seen a stage version. I mean, I knew of memory, basically. Like, I didn't really know anything else. Um, And obviously, yeah, so I, I had like no Jellicle knowledge at all. And I went in there and it just blew my mind and changed my world. Um, my partner had grown up watching the, the 1998 filmed version of it many times, but I, I never had. And I mean, since then I have watched it many times and I really wanted to come back onto stage in London so I can actually see it live. Um, but it, but yeah, the, the film was sort of the first introduction to Cats for me. Wow. So you so you see the 2019 movie, never seen it live, still haven't seen it live and but have now watched the at least the 98 film. So you've seen the stage production just on TV. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel I've seen that one. I've seen many, many, many clips of various stage productions as well. Um, I, I mean, and I I can't wait to the day I actually get to be in an auditorium where, it, where it's happening live, though the film probably will delay that somewhat um because obviously that did that wasn't very well received sadly yeah yeah totally um i want to talk a little bit about your your show i i think it was i mean i know it's going to be coming back um live again you're you're doing a tour and people can watch it online um i watched it i thought it was hysterical so how soon after you watched the movie did you realize that that you needed to make this hour-long comedy show? Um, yeah, I mean, I because I before so at the end of twenty nineteen, I just finished my previous show. I tore that, and I was looking for something new, but I was really struggling to know what to do. And then I went to see Cats, and I just couldn't stop thinking about about it, and I couldn't stop listening to the soundtrack and reading all about it. And I went back to the cinema again, and it just couldn't leave my head. And I was like, maybe. I should do something cats related. But then I thought, obviously, because 
people didn't really like the film, sadly. Um, no one but me would be interested in it. But then I actually had, um, I have a friend who's a theatre director and he was putting together sort of a scratch night of new work and he knew of how obsessed I'd become with cats. So he asked me if I wanted to do something cats related for it. Um, and that's when I sort of realised like, oh, people want this. <laughs> um and I just started working on it and I realized very quickly that actually this is not just like a, a 10 minute thing I do for, for one night off. This is like a full length show I need to create. That is incredible. It is, uh, yes, it's a passionate fan base globally as I've learned with this podcast as well. Um, I, so, I mean, I, I wanna, without t- like giving too much of it away, um, how would you kind of like tell people who are going to watch this? Like, what are they going to see? Like, what can they expect? Um, I mean, it's quite a tricky one to describe, actually, I find. Uh, my partner, start, he tends to describe it as a TED Talk from hell, <laughs> which I think is yeah. I mean, probably quite accurate. Um, it's very stupid and very queer, but it's very... I mean, we basically... It's called How to Live a Jellical Life. Life Lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats. And that's basically what it is. We take a look at all the Jellicle cats in Cats, um, what we can learn from them, what makes them Jellicle, and then how you can apply that to your life. Um, and there's also loads of, you know, silly things throughout there as well to play with various games, audience interactions, etc. Um, and just a very jellical evening. It's fun because a lot of, normally sort of half the audience have seen cats, half the audience haven't to start with. And so often after doing the show, I'll get these messages of people being like, I've now watched cats. Like, I feel like I've got so many people to to actually watch the film, um, which is, yeah, which I love. I love it. It sounds like you are on the same mission of like slowly getting people involved with, with the musical and movie um, the TED Talk from Hell is interesting. That's kind of a funny way to think about it because I, I was trying to explain to somebody knowing that we were going to have this conversation what I watched. I'm like, well, it was a really funny stand-up comedy show, but it was like a PowerPoint behind you. And you were using like very clever ways to bring in the content behind you and the, the like multimedia to, to like enhance your, your comedy. And so uh, TED Talk is a very uh, – I love that as the way to, to think about it. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I do. Going... Oh, go. Sorry. I was just gonna say, as you were going through characters uh, to to like learn from and kind of create the the questions from, who was the hardest to write? Like, who was the hardest to full, pull out? And like, maybe who was the easiest when you were writing it? Oh, good question. Um, I think easiest maybe um, I mean oh, there, so many of them are such great characters and they, I feel like what was hard many times was actually cutting it down because I was like I could do this so much longer but then you wanted to keep it like fun and short and snappy um, I mean Mr. Mistopheles is my favourite so him I could definitely have done it much longer about um, I feel Macavity you can have so much fun with uh, Buster for Jones, I actually, like, I had this long bit written and then I sort of cut it down because I thought actually keeping it really short and it's probably would just works much better for the comedy aspect of, of that one. Um, and the, I mean, I think the harder ones are always the ones that don't necessarily have as much personality, I guess, in the film, the ones that are harder to define. Um, 
mean, uh, Victoria is probably like she's a bit personality lacking in the film because she's just influenced by everyone else. Um, but then you sort of make it about her journey rather than her personality, I guess, when you talk about her. And most, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've given all the Jellicle Cats in Cats so much thought. So actually, when I started writing it, the problem was having too much rather than not enough for all of them, really. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think that brings up an interesting question I have for you, which is, you know, you base this around the 2019 movie, which gives a pretty good indication of them compared to the stage um, personalities. Like you get a, it's it's fairly aligned, but there's also this like entire fan Wikipedia page and me talking to other cast members. Like we filled in a lot of blanks on the personality. How much did you bring from the outside world in, or was it really all just the 2019 movie and what you kind of thought from that? Um, this one is just the film. And as you say, obviously, like a lot of the cats are similar to the stage version, but there are some that are quite different as well. And I thought for this one, I'm just going to focus on how they're portrayed in the film, because <laughs> somehow that's even weirder than how they are in the stage show. Um, and yeah, so I, I just stuck to the film version for this. So I want to hear what is your favorite part of the, like, what's your favorite joke or your favorite cat to kind of go through? I know you said your favorite Mistopheles is like the character, but what's your favorite segment of your actual show? Oh, um, I, I think I really like when I start talking about the reviews and that becomes quite conspiratorial. Um, I think that just has such a different vibe to the rest of the things in the show. And it's really nice to sort of, for a moment, get really like calm and serious and have people hang on to this because so much of it is just wild and chaotic, I guess. Um, so I really I do enjoy that. I really enjoy all the audience interaction bits because that's obviously always a bit different every night. And it's so fun to hear what, like when we do this sort of quizzes almost is hear what people actually come up with. Um, yeah, those are always really fun. Um, yeah, but overall, it's just yeah. It's just such a fun show to perform. Like I've done quite a lot of solo shows before as well, but it's nice to do something that's just, I guess, joyous and fun from beginning to end rather than it being like too serious or too dark. It's just people are tend to just have a good time. Um, and it's just very nice to be part of that. Yeah, I can tell you a part that I really loved and I know because you put it on your social media and it's it's been out and I, I think you even alluded to uh, some celebrities that responded to it, but you made a uh, Jellicle name, um, like a generator based on your your first and last name and birthdays and stuff like that. And so I um, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you because I felt almost a little insulted by, by mine. I ended up as Grizzashanks the conservative cat. And <laughs> being a, in, you know, from the Midwest of uh, the United States, to where it's a fairly conservative area, I thought it was like handpicked for me here um, as someone who's not super conservative myself uh, anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but the, that's the Jellicle truth. Um, the Jellicle gods have spoken. Um, I do. I mean, that name generator had so much fun with and I do think because it's like it's so many different options and you can get like really funny ones really dull ones really inappropriate ones and i feel like it's just endless combinations like and you th when you think you've seen them all like you hear someone someone with a, like a new combination and 
I, yeah, I feel like that's... Um, I was very, very pleased when I came up with that name generator. <laughs> you, can have, like, you can kill hours with it. <laughs> what, and what was yours? What was your output from it? Um, I am... Uh, let's see. I am Magical Star the Jellical Cat. No, Jellical Star the Magical Cat. But I Jellical. gave myself a good one, obviously, because, <laughs> I mean, I made it, so I could, yeah. could make sure that the 7th of November... Well, or, or if you have LK and, sev- and the 7th, then you have a great name, basically. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I, I assume that you kind of wrote yours to be kind of what you wanted since you since you were moving the stuff around there. Um, I know you've been doing this for sold out shows and you, you said a little bit about the crowd reaction of people who you've influenced to go see the movie. How has... Um, what is it like for an experience for someone who's not seen the movie before? And I know you said it's about 50-50. But like, do you do you think that it's a funnier experience for that group or a funnier experience for the cats diehards? I think. I mean, I think having seen cats is more of a bonus because I think feel like then you get like every single reference. But I think sometimes people who haven't seen cats the film at all because I do show some images or brief clips from it, and you can see that they're shocked reactions at like Ian McKellen licking up milk or Judy Dench staring into the camera, like is also just so like so joyous like they don't expect like yeah i mean i don't think anyone ever can be prepared for cats the film because it has so many moments you're like i can't believe i'm watching this and to sort of see people get a glimpse of that live is amazing um and i want to make sure that actually like the show would work whether you'd seen cats or not so it's really nice to to feel that even they're on board with it but i do think if you've seen cats it's even it's even more for you yeah, I love that because I, you know, I have kind of a similar thing here where I'm like, I don't think people will get this podcast most of the time if they haven't seen it, um, either the movie or the show, because it's it's so niche and so like to the point. So I'm always just like, yeah, if you've never listened, never seen it, it, might be worth watching the movie before you listen to any episode or reading the Wikipedia page or something because it's, it's tough. But I did feel like for your show, like with it being comedy and you kind of also giving an explanation, like a lot of the part of that TED Talk version is you explaining a little bit so everyone kind of has the knowledge before you get into to the jokes around it, which I loved. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and I think especially with the film, people are so w- aware of the phenomenon that is the 2019 hit movie musical Cats. Um, so people are already so, have so many thoughts and feelings and opinions about it, even if they haven't seen it, um, which is quite fun to play with, I guess. Do you get listeners who haven't seen Cats at all? I don't think unless they're like friends and family members from home that are listening to support me. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think there's many, I think maybe in the beginning, because the first 10 ish or so episodes was me explaining the cat and then why I didn't think they should be picked or why I thought they should be picked over Grisabella. So those were a little bit more of, you didn't need to see the show, but the interviews now with, with other cast members and fans, it's, it's kind of hard if you've not seen at least some interaction, you have to, you have, to have some knowledge because otherwise we're talking deep character analysis of. A, a cat's name that you might not even know who we're talking about. So it is a little bit more challenging for this particular thing. But I know that I'm in a lane that is uh, meant for a certain group of people and only a certain group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I mean. That's why I, I love about it. I love when you can talk in detail about it rather than having to be too yeah like 
inclusive to everyone. And just feel like really discuss. I mean, because this, I, I'm just so fascinated about the Jellicle community. Like, I want to know all their relationships and yeah, who's doing what with who and why they are like they are. That is my my mission of this podcast is to to figure that out and then slowly influence people who maybe have not thought about that who are in the show. Um, thinking like, oh, I haven't thought about that relationship, but maybe we can play into that, or maybe we could, we should play more into this one than that one. So, um, I, I do love it. And I think, you know, you're, you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work out there, uh, getting more people, uh, being knowledgeable about cats with your show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. (laughs) So I want to hear a little bit about, um, for you, like, let's talk a little bit about the movie because I, I'm always am a little fascinated when, and you're the second person I'm talking to recently that, um, that your first interaction with cats, like real true interaction besides memory, is this 2019 movie, which is you know uh, was not well received for, for the most part. So, um, how you know, like, how would you describe the movie? Like how, like, are you a fan of the movie? Did you just see it as a comedy vehicle? Like what was your real take on it when you first saw it? Oh yeah, so I went to see it with my partner, my flatmate, because they wanted to go and see it. And this was kind of like in January, 2020. So yeah, it would already been out for a little while, um, but I hadn't been too bothered about it. So I just went along because they wanted to see it. And we sat down in the cinema and like from the beginning, like the first number, it was a bit like, I don't know what's going on but I'm so into this. I feel like in a weird way, it just can felt like a, like a, a super long music video that's just like really interesting visually, but a lot of it doesn't really make sense, but you're still like, re- well, I was really enjoying it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I hadn't listened, really listened to the music before and I really love the music. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I think what makes Cats the film so special is that it's amazing and brilliant and awful and terrible at the same time. Like, you have the beautiful music, you have amazing performers being incredible, and like, yeah, Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift, like, it's such a weird and uh, incredible lineup, and s- most of them do really good performances as well. Um, and you have that, like, visually it looks nice, and then the very weird effects, the sometimes ridiculously terrible script um, and a sort of like forced plot into it. And I just feel like watching it, what I keep thinking all all the time, every time I watch it really, it's like, I just can't believe this was made. Like they spent, they had a hundred million dollar budget and they got all these stars and all this talent on and off camera involved. And this is the end result. Um, and I just find that so fascinating. Like I have the best time watching it and it just makes me so happy. But I obviously see, I, my love for it is both genuine and I also love it for the reasons that, I mean, that is just hilarious and weird and questionably made. <laughs> yeah, you, you nailed a lot of the things I think are so interesting about it, which is they got great stars, they got great dancers, they got great performers. They had a, a very successful 40 well at that point it was probably 38 years 39 years of a show that they had as a vehicle but they made a lot of really questionable decisions and i think they assumed that a hundred million dollar budget and these big names was going to turn it into a good movie and instead they didn't actually make a good movie they made 
good performances and good like some good pieces of a movie but they didn't make a movie they made i think i like your description of a music video like a very long music video um that is what it felt like but with really weird editing never felt finished um and it almost i feel like it almost hurt the stage production because the stage production is so brilliant and you know a unique experience and this forced plot with extra dialogue and a fake conflict and resolution that doesn't really exist all was kind of added in to make it more hollywood and it kind of flopped and now everybody is uh distancing themselves from it pretty pretty quickly yeah absolutely like it's definitely damaged cats <laughs> the musical so much and i mean which is such a shame because I mean, especially because I personally, I just can't wait for it to be back in the West End or in 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 the UK generally, because um, I really want to experience it live. Um, and yeah, I think like it's so tainted by by the film. Because um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they probably. Th- I think the the problem with the film is just that Tom Hooper had wasn't quest like he could do whatever he wanted. And he wasn't questioned, and he probably have coming from the success of the films he'd done, um, thought that he didn't really even need to know what he was doing. Um, I've spoken to some people who actually worked on the film, um, who were all like, a lot of the time they didn't really know what was going on, or they weren't told that much, um, and like decisions kept changing last minute all the time, um, and. Like Tom Hooper apparently doesn't really like planning. Now it sounds like I'm slagging off. I'm very, I'm very glad that he made this film, but like he didn't really like planning. So like a lot of the time he would just go with his intuition. And having watched his commentary of the film as well, he does seem like a very humorless person. So for to have him write these like comedy, like the, the jokes in the film basically that are so unfunny, which sometimes just makes it even funnier. Um, and it's just such a weird vibe because I feel like the film simultaneously tries to be like almost like an animated family film but also like a really grown up drama um, but is and they want to give it this like sense of realism like he did with Le Mis with, with people singing live but actually the difference is that Le Mis is about war and like drama like that where Cats is like oh it's a cat singing about trains <laughs> like it doesn't work that way basically they they need to choose either or and there's probably a reason why i mean the success of the stage show just can't be translated onto the screen like it's been they've been trying since the early 90s and it, they never made it work up until 2019 which obviously didn't work very well um i mean if you look at it critically or financially um so it's probably a reason why yeah why it took so long before it was made yeah, and I think you know you hit on a couple of things I like there. One is is that time since '98 when the the stage production just shot as a film it wasn't really a movie. It was just a pro shot of the stage production. Um, but I also think you know you you highlighted the humor and darkness and not darkness, but the show kind of has some of that as well. It's like a lot of kids go to the show, which I don't agree with, but it's also a very dark premise. You know, it's a um, a, a little bit of a redemption story of a cat that has left before some bad bad things have happened. There's a sexual abuse plot line that's very well established in the show. There's an orgy in the show. Like there's a lot in the stage production that's kind of like glossed over um, that is very dark and heavy. So I do think like the movie kind of needed or tried <laughs> to do the same thing, which is 
which is interesting that it's like your to your point they tried to be this like dramatic piece but also fun enough to bring everybody which kind of feels a little bit like what the stage production does but i want to ask you a question about this because i do think like the 19 movie flopping i feel like also i thought a lot about this also helped because i think if it was just like an average success or somewhat well done but not not great like i don't think a lot about les mis's movie much anymore but i do think a lot of people still think about the disaster that was cats so i wonder if there's like by not being either so incredible or so mediocre by being so like polarizing they actually might have extended its life by making it so like like people are going to talk about it for a long time because it feels very rocky horror picture where there'll be an extended life of people seeing it because of how crazy it is we'll be right back after a short break Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a very good point. Absolutely. Like, I don't think anyone would be brave enough to put on the stage production too, like, too soon after the film necessarily, or like in, in on like Broadway or the West End at least. Obviously, there are touring productions in, in various places, but um, just because the film's probably put some damage now. But I mean, there are already like these fan screenings of the film, um, like Rock a Horror Picture. Um, and so on, so like, and people, yeah, it is so, whatever you think of the film, it is so memorable. Like, you'll never forget it. You know if you've seen yeah. Cats. You- um, so, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Like, it will probably extend the life of Cats, ultimately. Um, so, that yeah, that's very nice. And it's funny, like, you were saying about the, uh, the Cats being a kid's show. Or, or family show. A lot of families actually go and see cats. They bring their kids. School trips go and see cats. Despite it being so dark. Like, if the characters were not cats, if they were human characters, it would never, ever, ever be seen by kids. But somehow, just because they're they're playing cats, um, wearing these very tight leotards, grinding on each other it's at times, such it's acceptable for young kids to go and like see a, it somehow, it which is just very funny. And that's why, as I and like, like, I don't think it's hard to point out why kind of that's all of a sudden acceptable. There's a there's like points where it's like if you're really young, it doesn't really matter. It's all going to go over your head. And it's just cats singing and dancing. But there's like an age in the middle where it's a little bit confusing, and it's like you probably are starting to understand some of what's going on. That's the part where I'm like, hey, maybe leave that kid at home. And then it's once you get into the teenage years where you clearly get what's happening. From that point forward, it's okay. Um, but it is a, I, you know, and I I saw it, I've only seen it twice on stage. Um, and so it was very like I didn't definitely didn't pick up on it the first time, but I kind of was like, oh, that was a lot. Like a couple of those dances were were pretty aggressive for the child sitting in front of me to be watching. Um, but it's been happening forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that is so, so. Yeah, that is just so funny, and and people were criticizing the film for being 
like too weird and sexual but actually the film is less weird and sexual compared to the stage show like they're thrusting in each other's faces and stuff and um but somewhere because it's on stage and because it's not done by you know big hollywood stars in close-ups it doesn't maybe feel the same way yeah it would definitely felt less sexual in the movie than in the stage productions but i think yeah you know you also have like to your point the way that they shot like the close-up of jason derulo was was uh and the unitard was fairly sexual and it was just him quick up versus like a lot of tugger song is extremely sexual but it's a wide angle you know him kind of running around the stage very different yeah yeah um i've spoken to someone actually who was one of the dancers in the rum tum tugger number who said like on the first take when he sort of like he makes his entrance and jumps onto the table um he shouted pussy party and that was the line they actually had so the his entrance line like when they were rehearsing was pussy party jumping onto the table starting the song but that never never made <laughs> made the film um which is just yeah interesting love it absolutely love it okay i want to go to our rapid fire so i want to think about the stage production which i know you haven't seen so let's think about the movie the 1998 movie um, not the 2019 movie. So if you got to play any cat in the 1998 <laughs> movie, who would you want to play? I mean, the thing is, I'm I'm an actor, but I can't sing or dance. So, the, I mean, doing this show is the closest I'll probably ever get to being in Cats. So I sort of made myself a cat. But if I, if I could, I mean, Mr. Mistopheles is the ultimate dream. Like, I'll never ever get to do that. But to be able to leap around like that and be like, the queer icon, Mr. Mistopheles, um, that, yeah, that would be a dream. <laughs> totally. I always usually ask this question by suspending reality of what you're capable of doing. Cause I can't sing or dance or do any of the cats, but I have like, who would I want to, if I was capable is a different question. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my favorite is Mr. Mistopheles. Um, my least favorite. I mean, in the well, if we're looking at the stage version. Yeah, is that the same for the movie? I mean, maybe still Buster for Jones. I don't. I feel like there's not that much to his number. Yeah. It's quite a boring you song. Like it's just a bit of like a fat joke. It. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's probably my least favorite. Yeah, totally. What is Definitely. your favorite song from the movie or from the show? Sorry. I mean, with the movie, you also have James Corden playing him, so that it just that doesn't help. Um, I love Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats. That was actually my most listened to song on Spotify in 2020. Um, I just think it's so much fun. And yeah, because it has like all the variants. I do think that one's really good. Uh, Macavity is such a banger as well. Um, and, and Mistopheles, of course. But I do, uh, Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats is, yeah, maybe the best one. Love it, love it. Um, who would you? Who do you think would be the best and the worst cat at doing a stand-up comedy set? Oh, um, who's actually funny? Mm. I mean, if we're looking at the yeah, what about if we're looking at uh, at the musical rather than the film? Like, I think the character Jenny Anidot actually could be really funny on a mic. 
What about least favorite? Uh, or at least yeah, I, I think she actually she could surprise you. Like she'd be like, yeah, I think she 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 has a sense of humor. Um, God. And I actually think <laughs> Gus. In that I feel, what I feel with Gus is that he's actually, I mean, first, he's very, f- I mean, again, this is also ba- maybe more of the film. I mean, I love Ian McKellen. I love his performance in it. But when it's it has such a different flavor in the film when Gus is singing about himself as opposed to someone else singing about him. Because, like, singing about yourself, you just come across very self-obsessed and overconfident in your own abilities because there's actually nothing backing up that what he's saying is true. Um, but when he has someone else singing it, um, so I just feel like he wouldn't necessarily have... He would lack the sense of... Like, he wouldn't be able to make fun of himself. And I think as a stand-up, that's probably one of the key things. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer. I think... I, you know, you can tell me what you think about my answers, because I do think a lot about this. I think the one that would be best would be Tugger, because I don't think he would care if he bombed. Like, he would just go up there and keep delivering and delivering and delivering with confidence until he got yeah. right. And I think the least would be Monkus Trap or um, or Skimble, who are just so like regimented that they wouldn't be funny. Oh, that okay, very good answers actually, and I agree. Like Tugger set would be chaos, and it would be wonderful. Um, and yeah, Monkus Trap and Skimble Texas wouldn't be fun. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I mean, they would be good. I mean, provided they can get to, they get to do it together, they would be really good. I think Bombalarina could deliver as well. Completely. I, I actually thought about that. I was like, you know... And I feel like, I mean, Mistopheles can just throw in some magic if he gets stuck. So I feel like that's also like... That would be very memorable and good, if nothing else. I want to get to the my million-dollar question, because I'm, I'm interested to hear, since your take is going to be more movie-based. But I've argued at length that I don't think Grisabella is the right yeah. choice. And so I'm curious, you know, who do you think should be the Jellicle choice? How are you making the decision as old Deuteronomy? Like, what is your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure with you. Because, well, I guess people seem to think, obviously, often they made the Jellicle choice. But I... I don't think I agree with it. I don't it's, it's hard. It depends on what, what you would say qualifies you to be. The, like, Grisabella is the one who's been, like, she's had a tough time. And it herself, but, like, she has, she deserves a second chance in that way. Like, she has to have a better life. Or her life, at least, could be greatly improved. Great, long, full life. Um... Like, he doesn't need saving in that. I mean, he's very old and ill now, so obviously that would be why he would serve it. But I feel like Grisabella is still a stronger option than Gus. And a lot of the other competing for it. Um, I mean, Skimbleshanks has a great train. What what would he do if he, like, he's reborn? He doesn't need to be reborn yet. Um, I mean, Ramtam Tugger obviously not win. I guess Jenny Enidos would be, a, be another option. And she's still, you know, she she has a great time with her cockroaches and her mice. She doesn't, like, like I actually do think Grisabella is probably the right decision. 
I like that you just walk through all the like I mean, thoughts. It's like a show live here. We're just going through each one. Who do we know? Um, but I, I, I do think you yeah. asked the question right up front, which is what I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on, which is what is the deciding factor? Like, how does all De- Deuteronomy make the choice since you only get one, you know, one Judy Dench version of of that decision versus, you know, the we don't know last year or next year. So what do you think that answer is? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got as well, and I wonder if it varies from year to year. Like, I sometimes, <laughs> I know I've compared it to Eurovision, which is obviously very big in Europe, um, where all the countries send like a singer. And it tends to be quite funny because it tends to be different, obviously the different winners every year, but like a lot of music winning every year. So like one year, that, like a big ballad wins and the country will try and send a ballad. But actually that year, it's like, a really sassy pop song that way always varies. So I feel like Grisabella maybe wins this year because last year there was someone who won, like Gus, who won, for example. Maybe there was like a cat who'd done amazing things all through that. And then that's why like, oh, this time we're going to give it to an outsider who's had more of a rough time. And yeah, so like I do, I do, I, it might vary year to year. Uh, so yeah, so like, if that's similar to you, win one year, one year, like maybe you should wait a year and then come back the next year and get a chance. That I mean, that's my most. And ultimately, thing. maybe like. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, and maybe also, um, maybe also. I mean, all Deuteronomy is old. Grisabella is the lap. She does this big emotional number. I mean, and especially in the film, I mean, in the, the film is such a weird thing um, because obviously the cats are kidnapped and some even come back when she makes the decision. So in the film, it's a bit like, well, Gus and other competitors are stuck on the barge on the Thames. They're not even here. It's dawn. All due to the decision, who is she going to give it to? The only one there is like Grisabella or Mistopheles, who's competing for it. He just shows off his magic skills. Or Rantan Tiger, who's not really competing for it. Like, well, she's going to give it to Grisabella because she's kind of the only one there who kind of would get it. So, like, if some of the others hadn't been kidnapped, then maybe it would be Gus, but he's not even there. I love that thought process because I hadn't thought about it that way, which is your version of, like, why is because Tom Hooper wrote in his own way to make his own decision by eliminating choices by putting him in the kidnap barge that that they had versus so it's only grizabella is the only option which is his way of trying to make some sense into the decision himself it seems like yeah 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 um um so who knows Absolutely. who knows like maybe jenny any dots or gus would actually start if they hadn't been kidnapped I do love that. I, I think I also love the Eurovision comparison because it is it feels spot on. I actually my, my original joke was that I thought it was X Factor. And so I was watching a singing competition, a different one, because I saw Leona Lewis as my first stage Grisabella and it felt very X Factor. And that's like very Eurovision where it is a different type of thing each year that wins. It is a lot of like competition. But because of that, it doesn't almost eliminate like I think it's kind of thought in the show that there's only a handful really competing for it. And I know that that's true because there's been told to Tugger, like, you're not in the running, but you're going to go sing. And that's not the case in Eurovision and the X Factor, where it's like everybody's really in the running. Like, you're, it's a singing competition. H doesn't matter in that. It's all about just who's going to perform best. 
which is a different question than who's most worthy or who's like, you know, the, the other kind of things or who's available because uh, McCavity kidnapped the rest of them in the movie. You know, it's like a different answer to that question. Yeah, but even in X Factor, though, people get their narratives. It's like, oh, it's this girl who is really young and she doesn't like oh her parents died so it's really tragic and oh that's why we uh, or there's this older person who's been trying so hard with their entire life but now the cat maybe now this is their year or so on like that does play a big part into it as well i feel like in those types of competitions so that probably plays in i mean the jealousy exclusively uh singing competition and and i mean as you've talked about as well like the fact that all deuteronomy is definitely the related or the power to many of the competitors makes it even weirder totally yeah i mean it, it's a it's a very interesting thing to think about from many angles because there's not a one way to analyze it unless you're you know unless you're what uh andrew Lloyd weber or you know or, or the um you know the, the julian julian lynn and Chrissy Cartwright, like the ones that are like really doing the, the actual decision making from years ago. The rest of us are just speculating based off of very little dialogue and very little knowledge of, of what it is in this kind of crazy world. And then or Tom Hooper's crazy version. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if all Deuteronomy like gets to go to other Jellical balls? <laughs> Does she travel around the country making the decisions at other jellical balls, or is it just this one once a year? Um, which, yeah, which is also really interesting. I, I have never thought about that. I've always thought it's a cult, and so this is her cult. Like this is she's the leader of her tribe. But maybe there are other tribes doing the same sacrifices, and do they have the same? Like, are there parallel? Not like gel, almost like jets and sharks in West Side Story. It's like you got the jellicals, and you got some other rival cat gang that's doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or maybe there's like a, I mean, like a church, I guess, with like, um, yeah, I mean, different branches in every city. So like the London Jellicle Ball, she's just come from the Birmingham Jellicle Ball, maybe, or she's been to the Manchester Jellicle Ball, who knows? I love that. That is an angle I've not thought about. I also love that we just went from cult to, to church, which is also polarizing yeah. itself. Um, well, I'd love to hear from you. Like, um, how can we watch? Like, how can people who are going to listen to this watch your upcoming show that's going to be live stream? Or if they're live, how can they get tickets and go? Oh, yes. So it is playing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from 15th to the 27th of um, August. Um, so that's in Scotland, in the UK. Um, if you're there, please come and come watch. Please come and say to have some jellical chats um it is also available online through the entire run of the fringe festival which is from the 3rd of august to the 27th of august we may keep it up a little bit longer um so you can watch it online wherever you are in the world it best way to get tickets is to go to well if you just find us on social media we'll have all the links in our bio it's at awkward prods so awkward prods short for productions instagram um, that is the production company I work under. And then my own one is at ARP, L-I-N-U-S-K-A-R-P. Um, if you find any of those, I'll have the link in the bio there where you can get all the info and get tickets and, and watch it. 
we will link everything as well since this should come out while this is running or right before it's running so people can can watch it live and um and if they can get tickets and also watch the streaming if they're not in uh, uh anywhere near you uh in, in the states or somewhere else so um this has been super fun i really appreciate you being an amazing guest and excited for more people to get to see your hilarious show uh, thank you thank you mike thank you so much. so i just love talking about cats and it's so nice to do it with people as passionate <laughs> that is it's exactly right it's rare when you get the people who are also have devoted too much of their life and time to it which is which is fine uh, thank you and question for you if there ever is a cats too who do you think would and win Oh, such a good question. I think you you've the the first question I have to ask is what is the criteria criteria decision from old Deuteronomy? Is it the same as last year? Because there's you know, if that's the case, then I'm wondering if there's another like Grizabella out in the world that was exiled that's coming back this year as well. And so it's a cat we've never been introduced to. I kind of like because that gives you a whole lot of creative writing opportunities for that. But if not, and you have to pick just from the list then I think it's probably Gus or Skimble, unless old Deuteronomy is ready to make himself the choice and Monkish Trap is like itching to take over. Um, so that's kind of how I, I look at it uh, as the next one. I mean, old Deuteronomy making themselves the choice, that would be, I mean, that would be quite something. Watching all the others like, actually, it's me. <laughs> I think it's gotta happen soon. I mean, I'd love He's... to he's got to be the choice eventually because Monkish Trap is being groomed to be his replacement and he seems ready, you know, like that's why he's the narrator of the, the 2019 movie. Like at some point I feel like he's just going to step in and just kill, kill his dad himself. So that way he can take over finally. <laughs> that feels like the Royal family here with like the queen is just not giving up. Like Charles is getting real. He's just never going to get become King. And he's been like ready for decades now. And like the queen is just hanging well into her 90s yeah. um yeah i mean i also love the grizabella that could be another grizabella out there if we look at the film version i think that could be bombalerina she's sort of like mccavity's sidekick in the film version um maybe grizabella until she was replaced with a young model and now in the next one in the in the sequel this way will be crawling back and full of regret of all the horrible things you did and belt out about the angelical choice. I think they're going to struggle to get Taylor Swift to, to be engaged in uh, Cats 2 after the debacle <laughs> of Cats 1. <laughs> I'll take the part. I, I, can, I, I look similar enough. You're in. Mm -hmm. you are, you'll, you'll be in. You've got, I know you, you wear a, a Cats um, suit for the show, so you're, you're ready to go. Oh, yeah, and it is actually the Bombalerina suit, so, yeah. Amazing. Well, this has been an absolute blast. Um, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope so many people that listen to this get to come see your show, because I found it absolutely hysterical. And this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Mike. And thanks, everyone else, to listen to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's atrophy. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.